0: This is the Hockey News Podcast.
1: Hello, the Hockey News Podcast is here. It is July 1st, 2019. We're here in the Hockey News office. It's Matt Larkin here with Ryan Kennedy and Ken Campbell. And you know what? I kind of like doing this stuff July 1st. I know it's a holiday here in Canada, but if I'm being honest with myself, fellas... Every July 1st before I worked for the Hockey News, I was just sneaking away from whatever barbecue I was at to check the TV and see who signed Anyways, So may as well get paid for it. That's what I say. Hmm? Yeah, no, I'd rather be at the beach. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I'm alone on that one. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, let's jump into the news. It's been uh, an eventful day, maybe for not the reasons we were expecting, but the biggest news of the day, at the time of recording this podcast, is an offer sheet. There was a unicorn spotted, aka an offer sheet. Sebastian Ajo, the Montreal Canadiens, it's a five-year deal, $42.5 million, $8.45 million AAV, Uh, and the compensation would be a first, second, and third round pick in two thousand twenty. My mind's pretty blown. I did not think we'd see one. And I I mean, at the time of recording this, I I don't think we're going to see Sebastian Naho wearing a Montreal Canadian sweater, even even though he signed it. Um, But let's talk about it. Do you guys think there's any chance that happens? Or was the offer too low and too easy to match? Yeah, I
2: think it it was both of those things. I, I, you know, personally, I think the general prevailing thought is they should have gone up one level to the $10.5 million dollars. And then it would have been two firsts, a second, and a third. And then now, now you're getting into and you know if you structure it with you know really front loaded with lots of bonus money, then you start to make it a little more difficult for them to match. But uh, you know, I mean, we're talking about Tom Dundon here who paid two hundred fifty million dollars to not watch a football league get started right. you know what i mean like i i, mean, I wish i had 250 yeah. million dollars of
1: not watch a football yeah. league get started money
2: yeah, yeah. like like so I, I i really find it hard to believe that they wouldn't match this offer even though they were coming in lower than this i think they they knew that that this was possible um and and so yeah i, th- I think that, you know i mean as far as a trade first second and the third for sebastian eho if you're Montreal, you make that trade in a minute, right? Yeah. Obviously, uh, obviously, especially with all the picks that they have. They, and they're okay right right now because they they've had 10, they've had 20 picks in the last two drafts and they have 12 more in 2020. So the picks are not going to be an issue for them and the pro, they've got a good prospect line. Um, so that's kind of why I would have maybe bumped it up to two firsts. And then, you know, I'm not, I'm still not sure you don't match. Uh, but at least then you really give them something to think about.
0: Yeah, and it's it's kind of curious because if you look at it from Carolina's perspective, you know, 8.4, that's good for Sebastian Ajo, and, and maybe they were trying to negotiate a little bit less. That's fine. I mean, that's how negotiations work. Don Waddell, you know, he had sort of a snap press conference there, and he alluded to the, the, the term wasn't, what they would have
2: preferred to go with, um, and no, I couldn't tell Yeah, because they they go it goes right into free agent. He's gonna be yeah, he's gonna be a twenty-seven year old unrestricted free agent. Yeah, and if he's really good, he's gonna be what John Tavares was last yes. year.
0: Yes, yeah. So yeah. I mean, but you get five years of Sebastian Aho in his prime, right? And so yeah, you obviously match it, and and it's kind of funny. I mean, the cap's gonna go up. You know, again, that's a pretty good price for Sebastian Ajo. and as you mentioned, Ken, it's like a first, second, a third. Like, what are they going to do with that? Like, that's
2: yeah, yeah, like him. At that's not point, good enough. Like so. Sebastian Ajo at eight point four five AAV yeah. is like not even close to being outrageous. Like that's yeah. a, that's a good that's a good deal.
0: Yeah, the only conspiracy theory I can think of is that Mark Bergevan made this offer sheet to open the floodgates for somebody else to make an offer sheet on Toronto's Mitch Marner. Yeah. And then he's like, hey, we didn't do it. Somebody else did. And then and then he doesn't have to actually, you know, he won't get Sebastian Ajo. But, I mean, the Habs, Aho wasn't going to make them a Stanley Cup contender. He would make them better for sure. For sure yeah. But this is a team that's not going to contend for anything <laughs> for years, if at, if at all in Montreal they'll be okay oh, I
2: think I think they're going to be good in a few I think they're going to be in really in a few good. years I think they'll
1: be fine yeah. with, with Aho I mean then you're building around you know Nick Suzuki and Ryan Paling you're yeah. getting pretty strong And Kuk and Yemi, you're getting strong up the middle but Cole the funny Caulfield. thing Cole yeah. Caulfield as well yeah. of course the, the but thing is on their defense. Exactly, yeah. that's fair. Jeff. <laughs> no, never mind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but what's interesting to me about this is right now, you know, it's possible that while we're recording this podcast, that the offer sheet gets matched. But I don't think that's going to be the case. So. In a way, we might in a week be looking at Mark Bergerman saying this was a blunder, not a bold move, because you make an offer that's too low, it's probably gonna get matched, and then Carolina has the ability to deliberately drag this out for a week, as Ryan. I think it was you saying this before we started recording, right. mm-hmm. and make Montreal sweat. And during that time period, they're not gonna be able to pursue any other acquisitions or moves. And maybe they could have offer sheeted, say Braden Point had a had a better chance, but because this situation gets dragged out, you miss out on anything else, and in the end, you get nothing. Just you made an offer sheet, it looked mm. kind of bold and cool, but you've maybe damaged your relations. People, other GMs are less likely to trust Mark van now, and you get nothing out of it, and you delay your ability to pursue other players for a week. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if it goes down as sort of a blunder. Mm. It might, and, and I, I, I fully expect Carolina to, to, to match this. Fully expect. Yeah. So now my question is, is the first domino, has it been cast now? And because we've seen one offer sheet, are we more likely now than we were 24 hours ago to see a bunch more offer sheets?
2: I don't think because of this one we're going to see them. I think we were more likely to see them now than we have been in the past. Uh, but but I don't think this one like moves the goalposts or changes, mm. the, changes the playing field in any way. Uh, I don't think this is going to have any impact on Mitch Marner. I, I really don't. Um, you know but I do think that there was there was a more of a, of a chance now than there has, has ever been for there to be an offer sheet and we've seen one so we know that yeah. um, you, you know I mean because every time we've seen an offer sheet in the past it's like okay now we're gonna start seeing them and we don't so I don't think this one changes the landscape in any way I think the landscape had already kind of been moving in that direction anyways
0: mm-hmm. Though there is talk about teams sniffing around Kyle Connor in Winnipeg. And that one, that was something I didn't even think about because they also have Patrick Line, who's obviously uh, a, a, a bigger name. But you look at the Jets, and I guess they have a bit more space with, with Truba gone and, and Tyler Myers gone. But that's kind of intriguing to think like, ooh, could somebody make an offer to Kyle Connor that Winnipeg wouldn't be able to match simply because of other. Uh, commitments that they need to make, i.e. with Patrick Line, plus they already have a bunch of uh, very good players under contract. you got to see how that sorts itself out, too. Right.
1: And I think if Bergman were to have an influence by making that offer sheet, the idea would be that, well, now teams are less afraid to do it because politically one guy did it. But... When I was doing a lot of research for a story in our free agent magazine, and I talked to some GMs about it, the prevailing thought, and you even heard it expressed from, I think, Mar- uh, Bergerman and Waddell today, it was that it, most GMs, Brian Burke is the exception, but most GMs don't really take it personally. They understand it's a business. Mm. And, and Kevin Lowe said this to me, and Bergerman said it today. It was very, almost identical sentiment. It was, my first commitment is to the ownership of my own team and the fans of my own team. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Mm. So I don't think that because of Bergerman doing it, it's going to affect whether Teams do it or not, because right. some people might say, "Oh, well, people are scared to do it because they don't want to hurt other GM's feelings." I don't think that's really a thing anymore, based on what I was told. And and there and Don Woodell will not be challenging Mark Bergevin to
2: a barn fight because no. he would get his butt. <laughs> but yeah, that won't be happening this
1: time. All right, so let's shift gears now to the actual unrestricted free agents, and let's talk a bit about the winners and losers. Uh, let's start with the winners, and I'm gonna throw at one that. I think some people might argue is a loser But I think it was the right fit for the right team The Dallas Stars, they get two guys that are in their mid-30s Joe Pavelski and Corey Perry And I I do think that for a lot of teams That's not a, a kind of contract you want to chase Especially Joe Pavelski Three years coming off a very major head injury as well um, but for Dallas, to me, this is a team that two years ago, they went all in on free agents. It didn't work out. Then finally this year, they get the progress, and they get to within one goal, overtime goal, of beating a team that won the won Stanley, Stanley Cup, Cup yeah. St. Louis yeah. Blues. Yeah. I think there's no turning back for the Jim Nil era now. So And both, both are relatively short-term contracts. About, I mean, Corey Perry is very short term, it's one year, with performance incentives. And Pavelski, at three years, it's not long enough to really kill you. And I think Dallas, you know, they had some of the best goaltending in the league last year. They allowed the second fewest goals. You've got a great young defense core, Miro Heiskanen, Essel Lindell, John Klingberg. But the forward group, it's an older group, and that's established. And even though, you know, guys like Rupe Hintz and Jason Dickinson progressed, uh, I think it's fair to say that Dallas's draft history getting forwards has been pretty poor. If you mm-hmm. look at mm-hmm. Gurianov has not worked out Nkushkin so far. Yeah, Nizhinsk bought out, yeah, yeah. Bought yeah. out yeah. and Scott Glennie, and it, the list goes on and on. So I think they're realizing, no, we're in our window now. Here, Jamie Ben's 29 years old, Radulov's 32. So I like Dallas recognizing that we are one of the only teams for whom this kind of move does make sense. And that same goes for Corey Perry. So I, I actually like it for the Dallas Stars.
2: Yeah, well, and in a in a league where everything's trending younger, they they're bucking the trend a little bit, uh-huh. and getting a little older. And I mean, I I said last podcast or the one before that about uh, about Corey Perry. I think that he could be a real bargain signing. You know, mm-hmm. especially at one and a half. Um, you know, I mean, so you've got him at one and a half. You've got incentives that bring that that can bring that up to. I think, th- I
0: think it's three? 1.75 is the bonuses, so you would... Yeah, so
2: 3, 3, 3, 2, 3.25. 3.25 yeah. 2, 5, so and if he hits those, you're thrilled. Sure. If he's a complete bust, and you both agree that this isn't working, you bury him in the minors, and you're on the hook for $500,000. So yeah. very low risk.
0: Yeah, I also, I liked the Andreas Sakara pickup as well. Bought out by the Oilers, and, you know, they were clearing cap space, I get that. But, you know, you talk about... Mobile defenseman and Sakura's been banged up the past couple of years. But if he's healthy, then you got a guy that can, you know, be a pretty decent veteran defenseman. I, th- I thought Edmonton was better with him in the lineup than they were without him in the lineup. And when you have John Klingberg as your number one, when you have Miro Heskinen, who could be a number one very soon, bring in Sakura, you know, it just. It bolsters things, and all of a sudden you've got some talent on all three pairings and you've got options as well. So I I thought that was
1: a sneaky little pickup too. All right, so Kenny, your turn. Let's hear your pick for the winner.
2: Well, again, I mean, you know, when you go to the trade deadline, usually the winner is the team that gets the best player that's available. Um, And I think in free agency, it's the same thing. So you have to, I have to go with the New York Rangers. They got the best player out there. They got the crown jewel. um, And they got them, the the thing that, and I think the thing that cements them as a winner is they got them for less than $12 million a year. uh, When other teams were willing to pay uh, a lot more to keep him, like he, you know. I mean, obviously the Columbus Blue Jackets were willing to pay 12 million on on eight years. They got him for 12 million on seven. The Islanders were willing to give more money. Um, so I mean, when you look at that, and I mean, a first line of of Mika Zibanejad between between Kapil Kako and uh, and Artemi Panarin mm-hmm. that that looks dynamic. Like all of a sudden the Rangers look really dynamic and exciting. Jacob Truba, Adam yeah.
1: Fox, yeah. Kravtsov might make the team. Yeah. Exactly. And Elias Anderson might make the team. You never know. Exactly. Really?
2: So it's so it I mean, all of a sudden these guys now they're now they got something. They got something going now, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're a player and and they'll be exciting to watch. I I you know I, I wonder how well they'll be able to keep the puck out of their own net. But yeah. they'll be fun to watch and they'll be dynamic. So yeah, so I, I, I think I think Jeff Gordon has had a good run here in the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, definitely, and it'll be interesting to see how quickly they can be good. Because as excited as we get about all these young players, it's like Adam Fox has never played in the NHL. <laughs> yes. no. You know, Kraftsop has never played in the NHL. Um, that's why I think this Panarin deal. It's it's crucial that it's a long term deal where you know they might not make the playoffs this year because they they don't quite come together yet and the defense is still trying to find its footing things like that but what you have is some really nice blue chippers and then of course Panarin being the established guy and the and you know the go to guy where you know Eventually, you're going to move into a, a slightly different era of Rangers hockey. Like, you still have Lundqvist in net right now. You know, he's still the starter, but for how many more years? You know, you have Shesterkin coming over from Russia.
2: Georgievs. You got Georgievs yeah. as, as
0: well. So, yeah. you got to make those decisions. You know, you, you have to look at the defense. Like, how long is Mark Stahl going to be on the team? You know, how long is Kevin Shattenkirk going to be on the team? Things like that. Um, but they've, they've set the table really nicely here. Mm-hmm. So as as long as I think the fans are a little bit patient and just kind of enjoy the show next year, because yeah. I think they'll be yeah. a fun team. They will. I'm excited way. to watch yeah. them. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. that's the key is just like, let's, let's just have everybody have fun out there. <laughs> yeah.
2: Let's not worry about results <laughs> you right best? away. Yeah. Did you work Was it hard? A, did you do your best? Yeah. Was it
0: 6-4 every night? Yes.
1: <laughs> did we win them all? No. But it's OK. <laughs> that's right. Uh, okay, Ryan. So, who is your pick for the winning team?
0: I'm gonna go with Florida. They got Panarin's buddy Sergei Bobrovsky in net, and that that was the one where you know we kind of we knew Bobrovsky was gonna go to Florida. That seemed like the perfect fit, and we you know, we thought Panarin would be there too, but obviously that didn't happen. But Bobrovsky was what they needed, and what I like about Florida's moves is you know they get Bobrovsky. He's the big ticket guy, 10 million that's fine. He's turning 31, but he got to the NHL late. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have a lot of playoff hockey to play. So I feel like he's a young 31. Like he'll be a young 31. Like I think he's still got a lot of mileage on him. And if you look at goalies in the NHL, you know, Pekka is still effective into his late 30s. You know, Roberto Luongo was effective up until last season where he struggled. And of course, you know, he had injuries as well. But Guys can be effective goaltenders in their mid to late 30s. So this is a deal where it's seven years, but you'll probably get value in at least five of those years, if not seven. I mean, Bobrovsky might be that elite kind of guy where he's just a freak and he's still good Mm -hmm. when he's 37, 38. Then they filled in. Anton Strawman, that it's a depth move. You
2: overpay. They, they overpaid but it's a depth for move. they overpaid for him, but it's a yeah. good move. Yeah. It's a good move. It solidifies yeah. their back end. Great and, experience. Yeah, yeah.
0: He's been there yeah. you know, he's been there before, he's been yeah. through the wars. Noel Achari, there's your bottom six guy that can be very effective. Brett Conley, that's kind of you know, a guy who can be like a middle six winger and you know, help out a bit. But what it excites me is that Florida was on a good path to begin with off Huberto, Trocheck, Hoffman, Dodonov, Ekblad, and Yandel on defense. Mm-hmm. You know, like they had the makings of it. Goaltending let them down last year, so you bring in Bob, who had a good playoff for the first time in his career. So that monkey is off his back. It feels like Florida would, you know, like they're definitely a playoff team if everybody's healthy, particularly Trocheck. And and that's what they need. They need to be relevant. They need to get back in there. They're in a tough division, but I think they can do it. Can they win a round? I mean, that's the next mission. I, I think it depends uh, yeah. on who but, they m- match up with. Yeah, obviously, I, I still
2: think they got to make. I still think they got to make the playoffs. I, yes. mean, I I'm not convinced. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna keep saying they won't make the playoffs until they actually do. Right. You know, don't get out of the gate one and seven. Totally. Don't you know don't go through December in last place and then have to make up so much space okay yeah. so like like get off to a good start first and then
1: we can start talking about this team being <laughs> a yeah. playoff you continue. know who got off to a bad start this past year was Sergei Bobrovsky? yeah, oh
2: my God. yeah he was terrible to be but of the year. also
0: keep in mind Joel Quenville is now their coach right so you get a yeah. lot of yeah. calming influence you yeah. got a guy that has yeah. literally done it all and i think that's a big factor as well is you have that authoritative voice he's got the cup rings you know he has familiarity with some of the players already i I think that that's going to really pull together where if you do lose the first three games of the season quenville says all right boys let's just one step at a time here let's get it back on track i think he's the kind of coach that can help them achieve those goals because he's not going to get rattled by any situation Mm -hmm. and he can focus them
1: and I, I like this setup long-term for Bobrovsky because Quenville was was a coach who was sort of ahead of the curve when it came to resting his goalies and he really kept Corey Crawford fresh, backed up often, well, it was Ray Emery for a while, but eventually it was Scott Darling and, and so on and so on. Uh, whereas in Columbus, Bobrovsky had a, a very big workload. And earlier in his Blue Jackets career, he was getting hurt a lot, he lost 20 pounds, he's a very fitness-focused guy, he takes really good care of his body now, uh, and is added to his flexibility, so he's been much more durable. And on top of that, you're gonna have a coach that's probably gonna be a lot more committed to giving him that rest and keeping him fresh for the playoffs. So I think it's a really good setup and of course you have Florida who drafted Spencer Knight mm-hmm. in the first round and now with a two-time Vezina winner in your starter slot for the, for almost you know close to in the next decade, you can really slowly develop Spencer Knight. There's no obligation to rush him and the Panthers mm-hmm. have a lot of exciting other kids coming up. Henrik Borgström is now established as an NHLer but you have Owen Tippett, you've yep. got Heppo there's and, and uh, Gregory Denisenko is the other oh, one. Right? Yeah. So, I think even though they didn't get Panarin, the upside is they spent their money on you know Strawman and Bobrovsky instead, and there is some really nice, exciting help at least on paper yeah, coming they, in they forward. forward. Yeah,
2: and they needed Bobrovsky more than they, need, more than they needed Panarin. I mean, yes. they can score. Yes, they oh, can yeah. score. They have no problems with that. So yeah. Panarin. It might have even been negligible, right? Mm. Like, so he he makes them stronger at something they're already really good at. Yeah,
1: so. fair. Yeah. Uh, before we go to the losers, honorable mention in my opinion, the San Jose Sharks because I love that contract. Oh wait, Stephen, our producer Steven, he's waving his breaking hand. News. There's some kind of breaking news happening. Anders Lee to the Islanders. Don't know what the deals are, but that's what the okay. fourth period is saying. Gotcha. Okay, so Anders Lee Sticking returning. The so that sounds about right. It, it sounds like they were holding out. And hoping they get Panarin, and if they didn't get Panarin, then it was Anders yeah. Lee was and the ball back. They, they knew Anders Lee wanted to be there
2: because he, yeah. he's the captain, and he, yeah. you know, he's ensconced there. He he wanted to come back.
0: Yeah, he's a big yeah. community guy. Yeah, he loves the culture there. You know, I was on Long Island a couple of months ago during the playoffs, talking to Lee, talking to Lamorello, um, you know, talking to Lehner, uh, who uh, has not resigned yet. Mm-hmm. We never know, but it, it really felt like. Lee was definitely going to resign. It's funny, like I assumed that like Eberly might be one who you know, had only been there a short time and might use the UFA, but he signed, you know,
2: early. You know there's a, there's a theory that somebody was said this on Twitter. There's a theory that money is only a factor up to $500,000, right? In, in in changing jobs in any profession or whatever. After that, it's after that it's all the intangibles. It's like what you, you know, where you want to live, where you want to raise your mm. family, what kind of community you want to live in, all that other stuff. So now you look at Anders Lee's situation, and it's like. He went through all that crap for so long right. with the Islanders, and then now they finally start to turn the corner, mm-hmm. and he's like, ah, "Yeah, like I don't want to leave now. Yeah, like, it's, it's good. Start, it's just starting to get it's good, good yeah. again. Yeah. You know, it's just starting to get good here. Yeah. So uh, that might have been a big part of it too. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, it's pretty obvious he was pretty intent on wanting to stay. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you wonder if the relationship will be frayed at all if he's sort of aware that he wasn't the first choice, but apparently yeah it is repaired because if he's gonna sign then he's probably happy and from a pr standpoint i've said this all week that the islanders uh it would be just a disaster to lose a captain two years in a row but wait steven has another update for us anders lee tweeted himself so it doesn't look it is happening but he tweeted a clip from the wolf of wall street that says i'm not leaving There you go. okay. All right, well, thanks for that uh, Wolf of Wall Street update. Okay, it's done, it's done. Uh, So that's good news for the Islanders. Uh, I don't think that either of us or any of us had the Islanders listed as our loser of free agency so far. We did not. So there you go, so let's move on to the losers now. Mine is the Minnesota Wild because I don't understand what Paul Fenton is doing if I'm mm. being blunt about it, okay? Uh, because, <laughs> I he, don't yes, I don't it. understand. Yeah. And he, this is a guy who's not yeah. been inspiring confidence. He literally yeah. talked about crying himself to sleep. He said that publicly this year, <laughs> yeah, if I remember correctly, that. yeah. 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 Uh, and he made a couple moves at the deadline that suggested he was going in a certain direction. So you trade Charlie Coyle, you bring in Ryan Donato, you trade Michael Granlund, you bring in Kevin Fialis. You're getting younger guys with more years of control. So it's okay. You're trending toward a rebuild. You're sort of being a pseudo. You missed the playoffs that playoff streak of six years is over and that's okay you understand what you have but then you go out and sign Matt Sicarello for a five year deal at six million dollars a year it's going to pay him until he's 36 years old and that doesn't fit what the Wild appeared to be doing mm-hmm. and it's not a knock on Matt Siccarello at this no. stage of his career he's an effective player yeah. I'm sure he has a couple good years left a couple good years yeah. left uh, but that's to me a contract that that you sign if you're a Stanley Cup contender looking for a piece to put you over the top, or, or a, a contender who's you know on the way out. Let's say at Pittsburgh. If Pittsburgh had signed Matt Sirota, I would have said, okay, you know they're giving the can one last kick. Right, yeah, they want a right. new winger for Malkin, whatever. Right, right, right. But Minnesota, I just and it's not. If it was a one or two year deal, you'd say, okay, they can flip them if they miss the playoffs. Right. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it. Maybe they're buffering against losing Jason Zucker. Which yeah, thing, which may yeah. happen. Not losing him, but, but who's much I mean, younger, I mean, right? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's yeah. significantly younger, yeah. so I just yeah. I just yeah. don't get it. Yeah. Steven's
2: got more. Anders Lee, seven years, seven million per season.
1: Okay. Mm. Sounds right. about right. Sounds yeah, great
2: for good. sounds like a great deal. That's a great totally. deal. Yeah. All the guy does is score and if he can keep doing that, it's gonna look good for him, it's gonna look good for the team.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree with you, Matt, on Minnesota. It's like you might not even make the playoffs. Like how is and, and, Matt Zuccarello gonna help you? If you don't even make it, like,
1: it, it makes them He helped the New York older. Rangers not make the playoffs a few times, so. And, and sure. how, do you even <laughs> want to make the playoffs right now for Minnesota when the Central has the defending cup yeah. champion, Colorado's on the rise, Dallas is loading up, Nashville has got Matt Duchesne. It's like, but it's not clearly, really the time to contend. Well, and,
2: and, but, but, but clearly
1: but, but, they but, do. But, and that's the weird thing. It's like, why do you want to – it's weird
0: to say, why do you want to make the playoffs? But it's like, do you think you can win a round in the Central Division? Like, shouldn't you be rebuilding and, like, yeah. trying to get rid – of like the Parise contract, the Suter contract, you know, like it's
2: kinda of, kind of weird because you see teams like this and what Vancouver's doing that I don't understand either. Yeah. And it's like you're you're trying to chase a playoff spot. Like that's mm. and you know, okay, okay.
0: <laughs> St. Louis. Get in and you win. No. Yeah.
2: No, no, I'm sorry. That happens once every 10 years or yeah. so, or maybe a little fewer than 10 years now. But, I mean, come on, that's not yeah. going to happen you can't all the time. bank on that. Yeah, you can't bank on that. It's not going to happen all the time. And I, I just, you know, I wonder about these teams that are just, that seem to be getting these veteran players in order to just kind of change just to be in the mushy middle yeah you know like that's what i call it it's the mushy it's middle analogy totally. i you know? always
1: use it's the guy who who's in a poker tournament and you're just you're just folding every hand because you you just don't want to be the first down. So you're playing to stay in the game yeah. stay in the game but yeah. you're never making big bets you're not actually playing to win and you finish you know eighth out of 16 people that's yeah. what we're yeah, yeah. doing right yeah. now yeah. Yeah. uh so kenny what is your loser team
2: pick well the team is you know. It, and you know, putting on my captain obvious cap here, um, the Columbus Blue Jackets because they lost everybody and signed Steph <laughs> Nyquist. But I, I'm going to go a little outside the box here, and I'm going to say probably today's biggest loser is Wayne Simmons. Um, and mm-hmm. not, uh, really? and, and I mean, it's hard to say, it's hard to call a guy who got a million dollar raise a, a, a loser, but he got a one year deal worth five million dollars, and there is no way in God's green earth that. A year or two ago, we would have been talking about Wayne Simmons signing a one-year deal mm. for five million dollars, and I and I mean Wayne Simmons spent the best part of his career on that last contract, making f- an average of four million bucks a year for Philadelphia and playing like a seven to eight million dollar a year player, mm. and then he runs into some injuries. He has a disastrous playoff. He his stock falls, and now all of a sudden he's you know clay, you know. Scru- 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 Clawing and scraping for a one-year deal, albeit at five million. Yeah. Um. And you know, he's. I guess he's. He's assuming that he's going to prove everybody wrong and he's mm-hmm. going to have a great year and then people are going to be lining up again. But it's hard
1: at it's his hard. age. It's no guarantee. Dead. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not at
2: all. So I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with uh,
1: Mr. Simmons.
2: Hmm.
1: Okay, Ryan. Next up, I want to hear your pick for the loser team of day one of free agency.
0: I'm gonna go with the Edmonton Oilers, and come on, by and large, Again? low hanging no, fruit. <laughs> I know. I mean, by and large, they, you know, they re-signed a couple of guys: Judger Kara, uh, Alex Chason. That's fine. Uh, they bought out <laughs> Andreas Sakara uh, the other day, and obviously we talked about him earlier. Uh, he's in Dallas now, so uh, you know their defense I think is probably a, a little weaker than it was. Uh, and then they bring in Mike Smith as their new starting goaltender. Essentially, they f- you know Mike Smith and Cam Talbot flipped Alberta jobs. <laughs> right. um, Mike Smith is older, so you know you ask yourself. Did they get any better in net? I mean, you know, Mike Smith, maybe he's better than Cam Talbot two years ago. But if you're adding on, you know, how Mike Smith finished last year, I don't think he's an upgrade at this point in his career. And Edmonton, they didn't get faster, they didn't get more talented, and I guess there's still time for that to happen, They're, but their defense didn't get better, and they were not a playoff team. So what are we <laughs> left with here? Mm-hmm. You're uh,
2: left with a tandem of Mike Smith and Miko
0: and Koskinen. Koskinen. Yeah, yeah making a, yeah. about
1: $10 million, we figured, <laughs> all together. Uh, so they're six and a half right now.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Excluding
1: yeah. incentives from Mike Smith. To right. Right. Yeah, he's a two, right. seven,
2: five, right?
1: Two, yes. Two Mike Smith, two, and, and oh, Cosman okay. is four. So glass
0: half, half yeah. full, it's only six, but glass half empty is if he doesn't hit those bonuses, it's because they're bad again. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just think that, I mean, we know that Connor McDavid is in his prime. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best players that we've seen in, you know this generation and he's just kind of hanging out there for 82 games and then he can do whatever he wants because they don't make the playoffs Edmonton had they got to do something they got to do something to get this ship going in the right direction and and it does have to be now because you don't find Connor McDavid's that often, yeah. ask Edmonton. They had like five <laughs> chances, <laughs> and they traded all the other ones. And it's funny, except Nugent Hopkins. It's Hobbits.
2: funny, Mike, Mike. Smith today said, "Well, age is just a number, right?" No, no, no it's not. No, 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 it's not just a number. No, it means you're getting old. Yeah, and when you get old, you can't play as well. Exactly, and that's what happens. So, exactly. no, age is not just a number.
0: No, so I, I just feel like they had to do something bigger. Right off the hop. And, hey, maybe they'll find some great value moves on day two or day three. But if we're talking about day one, I see an Edmonton Oilers team that didn't get any better. And... That's a problem,
1: right? I, I I think I understand what they were doing, and I wrote about those signings today. And you know, Chase on they did get for two point one five million. We compare that to say a Brett Connolly. It, you know, it's not going to hurt them to pay him that price. I think he he's going to be able to earn back that price, return that value. Mm-hmm. And he was
2: one, he was one actually yeah. one of the guys that yeah. was yeah. good. He
1: scored 20, 22 yeah. goals. Yeah. Uh, and with Mike Smith, I th- I'm sure I or at least I assume that Ken Holland did his due diligence and kicked the tires on the upper tier of UFA goalies. So whether it was Peter Mrazek or Robin lane or Semyon. But the problem is, the Oilers, the cap space, I don't think was there to get one of those there guys. The yeah. guy who yeah, wanted to start no. his money because four no. and a half million, the last, the final shot that that Peter Cirelli fired off <laughs> was to sign Mikko Koskinen. I think it was like a day before he got fired. I believe yeah, yeah, so, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, hmm,
2: there might be something to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, that,
1: I think that hamstrung them. So, I think what the Oilers are saying with this deal is, hey, well, we can't bring in another starter, so let's at least create a competition. Uh, and hopefully it pushes Miko Koskinen and, and Koskinen. Or who can
2: be worse? Or? <laughs> that,
1: that's, that's the question. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, but I, I can, I at least understand. The corner that they were painted into mm. by Peter Shrelly. Mm. Uh, so let's talk about a couple of the big trades that happened. One uh, happened a couple days ago. Uh, it was the Arizona Pittsburgh trade. So the Arizona Coyotes get Phil Kessel, they get Dane Burks, and they get a 2021 fourth round pick. Pittsburgh gets Alex Galchenyuk and Pierre Olivier Joseph, defenseman prospect. Uh, pretty major deal. I kind of uh, personally, I kind of like it for both sides, but let's see what you guys have to say first.
0: I mean, I I really like it for Arizona, because I think that's the perfect market for Phil Kessel. We know he's the kind of guy that really doesn't like to have the spotlight on him off the ice. He's a very just, you know, he's a quiet, private guy, and that's that's fine. It's tough to do in hockey, particularly when you go from Boston to Toronto to Pittsburgh. Arizona, it will be nice. There aren't a lot of crackpot journalists there uh, which helps i think he can just go about his business he knows coach rick Tockett already so that's nice they've already got an established relationship and i mean he's still a talented guy he can still give you like 35 goals a year and yeah it just seems like a pretty good fit mm -hmm. for the
2: coyotes he's a he's a like a a, his his passing is almost underrated. I think like he's, he's a better playmaker a good, he's than such goal scorer. A good now. Yeah, he's such a good passer. I like this is the first time in Phil Kessel's career that he's going to be playing somewhere where people aren't really into hockey. Yes. right. Like it's the first time he's not going to be in a fishbowl. Yes. I mean, you know, Boston, obviously, Toronto, of course, mm. Pittsburgh. A, a market that is 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 small, but but I mean they've had a lot of success, so there's yes. a real concentration. There's a real yeah. concentration yeah. there, especially with the success they had yeah. and everything. You know, he's going to go to he's going to go to Arizona. He's going to be able to golf whenever he wants. He's going to be able to kind of come and go from the rink and not worry about people. You know, questioning him. He's not going to have people sitting in the stands dissecting his game. I I think it's you know there are guys who like. Arizona's not a good place for Max Domi. Right. Not a good place see, for a Domi. He wants like the, he wants the no, uh, intensity. No, but he has to have that. Yeah. Yes. He has to have people yeah. keeping him accountable. Right. He has to have people, you know, that that's what that's what, that's what what juices him up, right? right? But a guy like Phil Kessel, I could see going down there. I could see Phil Kessel getting 90 points.
1: I wouldn't be surprised I at see, all.
2: I could totally see Phil Kessel mm. getting 90 points. And we just did our mock draft for our pool book. And I'll tell you, now... If we had to do it all over again, I would have picked Phil Kessel higher than, yeah. he, would, than he probably yeah, went yeah. in in our mock draft because he's going to have—well, first of all, he's on not on a very good team. He's going to get a ton of opportunity, mm-hmm. ton of ice time, a team that can't score, a team that needs somebody to be offensive, put in all those situations with decent players yeah. in a place where he's not going to have any pressure. Hell, the guy might have 100 points next
1: year. That's what I call a garbage time all-star. It's going to be a lot of games that might be, you know, uh, on a a Tuesday in February when the Coyotes are, you know, maybe not in a playoff spot and Kessel gets five points in a 6-5 loss. Right.
2: (laughs) Or, yeah, they lose 5-3 and in the last 15 minutes of the third period he gets a goal and two assists. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, for Pittsburgh... Yeah, Chinyuk's intriguing because he certainly has talent, and maybe being in a place with Crosby and Malkin will will get him on the right path. Where it also gives him some versatility, where he can play center, he can play wing. Um,
2: oh no, no, he's a centerman. Yeah, no, he's a centerman. He's a,
1: Ken is making a sarcastic he's a centerman face, and yeah. he's
2: proven it time and time yeah. and time again, hasn't he?
1: Right. I just like the idea of. Uh, I think Alchenyuk. I think there's upside still left in him, and it, it, I think if you sits. put him on the wing with Crosby or Malkin, I think there's t- potential. He goes supernova and yeah. he scores 35 goals. Yeah.
0: And Pierre Olivier Joseph is a a very good defense prospect. He'll be turning pro. I don't know if you're going to see him right away, but I mean the Penguins. The cupboard was so bare, and I think finally we're gonna we're starting to see a, they're getting a little more. They had a good draft a couple of weeks ago, and you know I think Joseph is a nice chip that they add. So I, I'm not saying this is a win for the Penguins, but I think at least you know it kind of felt like they had to trade Castle.
2: Well, it was a salary dump without having to give something away yeah you know what i mean like they they had to get rid of Kessel's salary they had to get rid of kessel because he and the coach don't like each other it's pretty clear that you know that that the coach doesn't have a lot of time for this guy so either you're gonna fire your coach or you're gonna trade phil kessel Mm -hmm. right so if you have to trade phil kessel and you're in a position where you have to make that deal you know at least you didn't have to trade
1: Kessel, and a first-round first round pick yeah, for right? something, you know? Yeah. Right, and I think there's an intriguing element, a sneaky element to the deal as well, which is that Alex Galchenyuk is a UFA at the end of the year, and mm. that's $4.9 million, I believe, is the cap hit. Justin Schultz is a UFA, $5.5 million. So next summer, the Penguins are going to have more than $10 million freed up and theoretically I think Crosby and Malkin will still have another good year left a year from now just sure. based on their career progression so mm-hmm. depending on what the, the 2020 UFA class is the Penguins could be in a position to load up and chase let's say a Taylor Hall or, or mm-hmm. who knows right uh, and also the Penguins we don't know for sure that this is going to be a playoff team this year because no, we did, of oh. how bad that defense core is and if the Penguins find themselves out of it they've got Galchenyuk who can be sold as a rental at the deadline and same with Justin Schultz if, if, if things came to that right Uh, The other trade that went down, uh, certainly a lot of human beings were involved. (laughs) (laughs) This was
2: a trade. Yes, Yes. it was a trade that happened between two NHL teams. They definitely
1: exist. Star power would not be the the defining term, but it was a a significant shakeup. I still think it warrants discussion. So the Ottawa Senators get Connor Brown, Nikita Zaitsev, and Michael Carcone. I believe is how you pronounce the last name. Can't read my own writing. Uh, And the Leafs get Cody Ceci, Ben Harper, Aaron Luchuk, and a 2020 third-round pick. I think it's pretty clear what both teams' intent were uh, on this trade. To me, what's, what's most fascinating is what it's going to do for Connor Brown's career because he was someone that was uh, originally given a chance to play with Austin Matthews a, uh, during Matthews' rookie season, and Brown showed he can be a 20-goal guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do think he gains the most from this trade by far. Mm. Yep. What do you guys think?
2: Well, and Nikita Zaitsev too, mm-hmm. I think. But the problem for Nikita Zaitsev is he's going from one hockey mad market to another. So if you're going to be a whipping boy in Toronto, I mean it's not like you're going to go and fly under the radar in Ottawa. Uh, I it's it's an it's a, I find it a little confusing. Um, first of all, like Cody Cc to me seems like the anti Kyle Dubas player um, from
1: a statistical yeah standpoint. analytics. He's the yeah. whipping boy.
2: Yeah, and and then and now um, you know now Ottawa has D J Smith as a coach who ran Toronto's. Penalty kill. They have Connor Brown. They have Nikita Zaitsev, and they have Ron Hainsey, who's three fifths of their, or three quarters of their penalty kill, mm. basically. A penalty kill that got absolutely shredded yeah. in the playoffs by the Boston Bruins, who went seven for sixteen in that series, Oof. and basically that that might have been the 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 the, the difference between the two teams ultimately. Yeah. So uh, I find it a little confusing on a few fronts.
0: I mean, when I look at it, it seems like you know. The Zaitsev deal was one of those Lamorello deals just before Dubas came in. And this is correcting that particular philosophy. It was the term. I mean, the dollar amount, it's not too bad. No. And it sounds like they're going to sign Cody CC for one year for the exact same amount for the for 4.5 or close to it. But it's a matter of the flexibility. And with Zeitsef, the term was what? I thought killed the Leafs. Uh-huh. So for them it's like, okay, great. Now we get flexibility. We'll see what CC can do. If he's terrible, then whatever. You know, yeah. we we ditch him in the offseason. But this gives them the chance to remake the team a little bit because, you know, they obviously are gonna have some cap you know, not troubles necessarily. They gotta re-sign Marner. It's gonna be a pretty big number. They got to figure. You know, Jake Gardner is probably gone. Um, they got to figure out that defense core. Yeah, but, what are
2: they gonna do? Like, what are they gonna do with that defense? I, I think
1: the what right's gonna, gonna go with young. defense. The right side. The problem is, it, it it's still so stacked on the left because mm-hmm. it's it's Gardner or not Gardner. It's, it's Muzzin. It's Morgan Riley. It's Travis yeah. Dermott. You have. You have Rasmus Sandin coming up, and then even if you're gonna, if you decided that you're gonna take another run to re-sign Gardner again, you're all on the left. And Mike Babcock was pretty open about he his discomfort. He wants you. that righty. Uh, so, so Cody Cc I think does have an opportunity as a righty in his situation. He reminds me of Rasmus Wistalining. Both guys are first round picks. Both guys on paper and even visually they have the tools to be talented players. Both were expected to be frontline guys. Both have had. Horrific analytics throughout their career, yeah. but I think, and I think both guys on a n- new team, new situation, might suddenly blossom. So there's at least upside left in Cody Cc. I don't yeah. know if it's gonna help to be on the Leafs team that's already pretty leaky defensively, yeah. but the opportunity yeah. for the role is there because they just desperately need someone. I mean, Ron Hainsey's a lefty, and he was not only shoehorned onto the right side, he was shoehorned onto the top pair yeah. right on the right side. Right, right. So something's got to. And give. and again, like you know, I mean, Cody Cc was the whipping boy in Ottawa.
2: If he thinks. If he thinks that he can play that way, and that's going to change when yeah. he comes here, like he's in for he's in for a, a rude awakening because yeah. it's going to be worse if he's if he's that way. Because he was the whipping boy, and it wasn't unwarranted. You know, yeah. it wasn't unwarranted. Yeah. It was he was He earned he earned that status. He earned that, you know? yeah,
0: yeah, he earned that letter. Yeah. yeah, I think the only saving grace for him is that. Fans will say, well, at least you're not here for another five years. Right. So I think that's the yeah. saving grace for Cody Cece. It's like, hey, I'm just here for the year, and if it doesn't work out, that's cool.
1: Fair. We're about to finish the podcast, but Steven, speak now, or forever hold your peace if you have any other updates. And We're no. Ahead. We are finished. We'll be back next week, everybody. Thanks for listening.